Please note that due to unfortunate circumstances, one half of our team may not be recording. This may lead to a shorter podcast than usual. Thank you for your consideration. Nigga, we gon' be alright, huh? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. Welcome to Kevin's Closet. I'm your host, Kevin, recording from my closet. One hour long because we like to ramble and we're not that smart. Yes, that was totally stolen from Brandon Sanderson's Writing Excuses podcast. Thank you for asking. So, today I'll be joined by our regular guest, Ellie, in order to discuss Kendrick Lamar and his track, All Right. Before that, though, I'd like to introduce our sponsors for this week. So, we actually have two sponsors, and the first of which is The Big Three, a group of rappers and songwriters situated right here in Lincoln College Prep. You may have heard of them, you may have not heard of them, but whatever it is, go check it out because they are great. You can find them on SoundCloud under The Big Three. And our second sponsor for this week is actually my new book. As some of you may have heard, over the summer I started my first novel, well, I finished it, and now I'm working on a different one called Voidbreaker. This is a story about a prodigy runner who right at the height of her success suffered a debilitating spine injury. Now the apocalypse hits, which means everything goes to whack, and she has the opportunity to heal herself. Now she needs to use her training and her physical therapy knowledge in order to help herself and others survive a post-apocalyptic Earth by getting as strong as physically possible. Check it out on railroad.com. It's titled Void Space Breaker under the pen name Nulls. I'd really appreciate it if you all gave it a view and maybe even a rating because that really helps with the algorithm. Thank you. Now, our dissection of this track may be slightly different from what people think initially when they hear of it, or even what other podcasts say in regards to it. However, this is backed up by some claims by Dr. Anthony Penn, who I had the honor of meeting via Zoom a few days ago. So, well, I would say that this is still probably rather unpopular opinion. It is not necessarily unprecedented. And, of course, before we can get to that, we have to establish where we do agree with other podcasts. With that, we have the wonderful Ellie Harris to analyze the first verse of All Right. All's my life I has to fight, nigga. All's my life I hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Hi, guys. My name is Ellie Harris. I'm going to be um, helping you dissect the first part of Kendrick Lamar's track, All Right, trying to help you figure out what he's saying, what he's meaning, what's really going on, any hidden meanings that we're trying to show, and also just trying to tell you what our opinions of what's going on, what we think is happening. Um... If you listen to, first, if you listen to Lamar's track, All Right, and really um, pay attention to the lyrics, you see that he organizes, he has some sort of organization on what type of subject he starts to talk about. For example, he uh, touches up on um, his problems and fights with depression. He starts talking, he brings a little bit of religion into it. He starts talking about uh, devils, heaven, sins, all that type of stuff. He also talks about racism and police brutality, so it's a little bit of everything. 
So if you start to get into the first intro, his first line is, All's my life I has to fight. It shows that he really has, and if you've, if you've read about him or understood him, he really, he's had to fight for this. He's had to earn it. He, it didn't just come easy to him. He didn't just get money and then he just became famous overnight. He had to, or famous in like two seconds or just grew up with all these opportunities. He had to really earn this. He had to really work for this. Um, he also starts talking, he brings religion into the first part, into the intro at the very end. He starts talking about Nazareth. According to the Bible, Nazareth is a city in Israel where Jesus grew up and he studied. He also talks about, but if, his last sign is, but if God got us, then we're going to be all right. This is showing that he agrees with many Christians who believe that if God has a plan and you're you're part of that plan and you're in the plan or he knows that you're there so he puts you in the plan everything is going to be okay everything in the end it's all going to be good because god has got you god knows that you're there and he he's with you if we move on to the chorus he repeats mostly he repeats uh we gonna be all right if you keep moving on towards his first verse his first line is, uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you're gonna look at you're looking at me for the pay cut. This shows that Kendrick Lamar thinks and he thinks that everyone just sees him as money. He thinks everyone sees him as just somebody who is singing who's rapping for money and who is just there and they don't see him as a real person who has emotions and who who in reality, he's singing, he's rapping for himself, and he's uh, doing all this to help raise more awareness about these problems. But they just see him as a person who is trying to make money. They just see him as a stack of dollar bills. They don't really care about him. They just care about how much money he makes. Moving on, the, second, the next line is, but homicide be looking at you from the face down. Kendrick Lamar is trying to show, so homicide is murder, and it's, uh, he's trying to show, by saying, be looking at you from the face down, he's trying to refer to black people being killed by police, it's a very light touch on police brutality, it's a very, well, I mean light touch, I mean it's a, it's a small introduction to the subject that we're gonna, that he gets more into a little bit later in the track. The next line is what Mac 11 even boom with the bass down. Mac 11 is a semi-automatic gun. And um, boom is the usually the sound that comes out of a gun when you shoot it. Um, he's trying to show that even with, even when someone gets shot or with, uh, even when someone gets shot or with the, uh, Police don't even sometimes do an inve- well. They do an investigation, but they don't really look into how deeply the investigation is. They don't sometimes. They don't continue on with the investigation. For example, we actually had um, Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor, she was shot, and they didn't. They didn't continue with the investigation until later. 
they didn't, or they kept the investigation really down low. So it shows that even if a gun goes off, even someone dies by a uh, bullet wound shot or um, is shot in general, sometimes the police don't put a full investigation in because they might not care as much or they just think, oh, it's just it's just a problem, or they might think, oh, it's just because they live in a certain neighborhood, but that just still doesn't make it okay. It's They should still do an investigation. They shouldn't just leave it be how it is. The next line is scheming and let me tell you about my life. Painkillers only put me in the twilight where pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight. Now, Benjamin, he's referring to Benjamin Franklin, who's on the $100 bill, and painkillers as in drugs so he's showing you in this little verse that um he uses painkillers money and women to distract himself from what's going on they give him a uh they give him a little bit of happiness in for a little bit of time and they just distract him from what's going on in life and they just take it away for a little while Next is, um, he starts talking about his mom. Now tell my mama I love her, but this is what I like. So he's showing that he he loves his mom and he has uh, great respect for her. But he might be worried that she might not see him the same or she might not see him as good because, and he might be disappointing her because he's just giving in to what he wants to do. He's not really... He's not really fighting that hard for against his like vices and stuff. Um he uh shows that um everything that he's doing will catch up to him. So reaping everything I sow so my karma come in heaven. So all the bad things that he's doing now will come back to haunt him in the future. It'll come back and yeah, um, tell the world, I know it's too late, boys and girls, th- I think I gone cray, so he shows that, um, he sees the problems in life, um, drowned, he, in the line also goes, drown inside my vices all day, won't you please believe what I say, he sees the problem, he sees what's going on, but he decides to ignore them, he decides to just, use his vices to distract him, and so in theory, he's turning his back on the problems, and he's just ignoring them instead of doing what he should be doing about them. Moving on, um, wouldn't you know we've been hurt, been down before? Wouldn't you know is actually a, a idiom that is used and it shows one's someone's uh disapproval of a situation or someone's disappointment so he's using the um he's using the idiom to show uh the pro- the consequences of for example maybe he's trying he goes when our pride was low, looking at the world, like, where do we go? He might be trying to show the problems of being black in America. It's very, 
it's very, it's not really that detailed an explanation. It's, you really have to think about it and how maybe he's showing what he's, what problems they have and the consequences they have for being black in America and how hard it is for them. Next part is goes, and we hate Popo, want to kill us in the, want to kill us dead in the street for sure. So this one really shows, it's very, it's very, it's a very direct message about police brutality. It's very important that people really understand what's going on. And especially since police brutality has mostly been more, it has raised more awareness now because of the whole George Floyd and how that police killed him, murdered him. And so all America has been recently trying to get more awareness about police brutality and show that it actually exists because there are many people who just don't believe that it exists when it does. So this line really tries to show police brutality and it really demonstrates his views on police brutality and how he how he notices it's there how he's trying to get other people to notice that it's there and how he doesn't like the police officers because he believes in police brutality he the next line goes i'm at the preacher's door my knees getting weak and my gun might blow but we're going to be all right so a preacher, he is saying that he maybe he went to the preacher for forgiveness or prayer or some kind of religious purpose that to maybe help him cope with his problems or maybe to ask for forgiveness from God. Um. Then uh, we move on to the chorus again. We're gonna be all right. Being repeated multiple times. Thank you, Ellie, for that wonderful dissection of the first part. Now we bring you an interview also done by her to someone who has never heard of Kendrick Lamar before. Hi guys, I'm here with my coworker Katie Jarman. Uh, I'm just gonna do a quick little interview with her. Um, she never really listened to Kendrick Lamar, so it's really nice to get an outside perspective, and I'm gonna be asking her a couple questions, just talking with her a little bit about um this our song all right and i just played it for her and we're gonna see how she feels with the first time that she heard it so um first let's start with a basic question what did you think of the song i really enjoyed it just musically i loved uh the music behind his rapping his rapping was obviously good i'm not a big rap person like you said but i mean it sounded very good to me but i really loved that the song uh, the backing vocals and the saxophone that you had going on it was a lot more uh musically diverse than uh, i normally think of rap as okay um my next question is so you know that kendrick lamar himself is could be considered a controversial rapper from different people depending on their perspectives and in this song he really is trying to send a message he's trying to raise awareness about police brutality and our problems that we have and so my question is just did it impact you like did you understand did you hear a message trying to be uh told throughout the song yeah, there was definitely a message. Um, 
that I got from it. Like you said, the police brutality is it's a big part in the song that's repeated several times in different ways. Um, I do think that people can't pick up on that message, but I think what his message is to other people is just kind of really, kind of a generally uplift. Uh, so not necessarily informational, but just uh, his thoughts, you know, his feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, my next question is, do you think this is a good way of him to raise awareness? Do you think he's doing enough by just putting it in his music? And do you think that the youth or his audience, whoever's listening, really understands what's going on or understands what's happening in the world? I do think music is a really great way of sharing ideas and uh, beliefs, and I think the song does do a great job of it for people who aren't necessarily in the know on where he's coming from or people just learning about it coming into it i do think it is a good way of sharing that message um what you said though music being enough i don't i think there are different roles that people can play and if this is his role i don't know what he does outside of his music but i think this is a good way to do it though Mm -hmm. i wouldn't call it enough (laughs) Okay, um, another question I have is, so, Kendrick Lamar, some people, the reason that some people might think he's controversial or might think that he's a little problematic or a little too much is because of how forward, how blunt he is with his music. He really puts his problem there. He really shows, he really kind of puts it in your face so that you can really think about it, so you can really understand and notice that it's there. For example, his line, we hate the popo. They're gonna kill us dead in the street for sure. Um, it is really a blunt line that's just right there. That's very clear and very loud. So, do you think that he's being too all up in your face about it, or do you think that it's it's a good that he's really putting it out there and making it knowledgeable? I mean, he's just. Uh depicting reality you know like uh, sugarcoating anything's not gonna help he's just saying his reality and the reality for many people and I don't obviously that will upset the people that it's bound to upset but it's not bad at all it's uh, I wouldn't even call it too forward necessarily because it's just like I said uh, it's just there it's blunt but it's what it is you know yeah yeah okay Well, that was our interview with Katie. Thank you for coming. And now, before we dive into the very juicy, controversial topics of the second half, I'd like to offer another interview from me and a member of the rapper group Big Three, Will Morris. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to have you. So... Our first question for you is, being a songwriter yourself, do you feel like that gives you more appreciation for Kendrick Lamar's tracks? Oh, completely. He, he is amazing. He's amazing at storytelling. He's amazing with his flow. And, you know, just, just, that, just putting my foot into the rap game, just a tiny bit, it just shows how much he's worked and how much he's struggled, but also how much he's achieved. It's, it's incredible. Because <laughs> just making one song, it takes a lot of time. And, he can make countless albums full of songs with so many deep messages. And it's, it's, it's honestly, uh, it's really inspiring. All right. Um, could you provide us some insight, perhaps, into the song-making process and what that looks like? 
Well, obviously it's different for every artist, but you know, you need to, you need to first uh, find a beat. So if, you know, mm-hmm. Kendrick is a lot more, I'd say uh, complex with his beats, but he probably, he maybe even invites artists into the studio to record with him. Say he has a guitar mm-hmm. in his song. Uh, he'll probably invite a guitarist in to play the guitar. And while they're playing the guitar and making a melody, he'll find what he wants to write about. Or uh, yeah. he'll find a beat in the studio and then um, he'll write down his lyrics. And lyrics can take a while or they can just come to mind immediately and you'll just go off of that. But uh, obviously I'm sure his process is pretty detailed because he doesn't release music very often. So he wants it, he wants it to be good if he can release it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very fascinating. All right, now diving a little deeper into this, in Kendrick Lamar's tracks, especially in All Right, you can see that multiple verses are packed full of meaning, like double entendres, triple entendres, all talking about different things and addressing very important issues. Right. How do you feel? Like, how hard is it to be integrate such deep meaning into your lyrics while also making a song that is compelling to the ears and to the heart? Well, here's the challenge, Kevin. You want to make if you want to make a good song, you know, you got to find lyrics, you've got to find uh, rhymes, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you also want to include what you want to write about. So, Kendrick, that that's that's the crazy thing about him. He can he can make an inspiring song that many many people can relate to and love, but also feel. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he can make it sound good. He's of course, saying, yeah. he's not just saying go out and protest. You know, um, this is important. He's saying it in a way. That is compelling, and mm-hmm. also, but at the same time, it's it's rap. You know what I mean? It's not just a poem, and that's I think yeah. that's a beautiful thing. All right, yeah, that that really provides a deeper look into it. Now, finally, I just want to hear how do you feel about the track "All Right"? How do you feel like um, like I say "All Right" is um, it's a hit, right? Not not all mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar songs are a hit, but it's also, but there's a reason why it is. You know, it's not just because it's catchy. It's not just because he has great, you know, he has great lyrics and great verses, but it's also because the song really hits deep with some people. And I remember in 2015, especially uh, when people were protesting for the Black Lives Matter movement, and obviously it's even more people, so many more people are involved with it today, but back then it was super important as it should be. And mm-hmm. That was that was like a cry to act, like a calling cry to action basically and and many people listening to that song while they protested they would sing it in the streets and because it really spoke to them you know what I mean it wasn't some other catchy song it it really meant a lot yeah yeah and now so how do you feel like do you feel like Kendrick Lamar after releasing this song has kept to these these themes and had done his part in the black lives matter movement even after this song well i think to him i think he even says this that his part is never really over you know what i mean he always wants to keep he wants to keep telling people what's important he wants to keep spreading the mess he wants to keep um spreading awareness about these things but i think the the song definitely got the point across about how he feels and he's and he's um He's talked about, you know, racial injustice and gun violence so many times before, but this song, he really hit. You know, he re- he really was like, let me the point. Let me just let me just show you guys what's going on and how I feel. But I think he's never done. You know what I mean? Whatever comes mm-hmm. next, 
you're still going to be talking about this stuff because it's still relevant and it's still important. Of course. Now, here's a chance for you to plug your songs. Would you like to plug anything specific? Uh, well, um, so Big Three just released a mixtape mix tape called uh, um, Cap On, Cap Off. I'd say you guys could, should give it a listen. There's some, some interesting stuff in there. Uh, you know, we're, we're young. We're really new to this. But we do actually try. You know, I, I feel like that's, that's something that not everyone does. Not everyone, you know, kind of like takes the time. But we are really trying to make it our best stuff. And we're trying to obviously learn from rappers like Kendrick, who, you know, who made it. Who really made it just off of their lyricism. And we, we kind of want, want to learn from that. You know what I mean? So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, give um, our new mixtape a listen and our album is on the way. It's currently untitled, but uh, the more details will be coming soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Will Morris. And now back to the segment. And now after those refreshing perspectives on Lamar, we can get to the juicy second half. For this, I'd like to equate it to the second act of a play, right? The first act is establishing the background, establishing the normality, establishing Kendrick's life, and that he knows that there are injustices in the, in the world, but he doesn't really do anything about them as of yet. Now we come to the rising action, the introduction of another antagonist, and the introduction of him beginning his revelation. You want you a house, you a car, 40 acres and a mule, a piano, a guitar, anything. See, my name is Lucy, I'm your dog. Motherfucker, you can live at the mall. So right off the bat, Kendrick Lamar starts off with, What you want, you a house, you a car, 40 acres and a mule, a piano, a guitar. Now, this verse is jam-packed with meaning, the first of which, 40 acres and a mule, was actually the promise given to freed slaves in order to sort of integrate them into quote-unquote normal society and make sure that they had like good land and ability to earn money. However, that promise came to pass and most slaves, most freed slaves, never got that due to um, a partisan shift in the U.S. Now, a house, you a car, a piano, a guitar, these things are modern commodities, right? And they represent sort of the same fake promise that a 40 acres and a mule promised in the olden days, right after the Civil War, where instead of this 40 acres and a mule representing prosperity and freedom, a house, a car, a piano, a guitar, most of these are things that Americans represent as being wealthy, successful, and happy. Happiness is the big thing here. Because in the chase of material goods, most people say, oh, I'll be happy when I get X and Y and Z, right? Kendrick Lamar furthers his point with the next line, anything. See, my name is Lucy, I'm your dog. So, one of the major antagonists in To Pimp a Butterfly is Uncle Sam. However, in a previous track, we see the death of Uncle Sam, and he has not shown up in this first verse, other than in, you could say, perhaps, Where Pretty Pussy and Benjamin is the highlight a little bit. However, now we see a new villain come into play again, symbolizing Act 2. 
Lucy, aka Lucifer the Devil, right? Motherfucker, you can live at the mall. Living at the mall, you can see where all the materials goods are, but where there is no house, no prosperity, no home, where you're not doing anything meaningful, you're basically window shopping, right? I can see the evil, I can tell it, I know when it's illegal. I don't think about it, I deposit every other zero. So these lines are saying, he can see Lucy, he can see Lucy's influence in all his actions, he can see that it's illegal, as in against the will of God. He doesn't think about it, he deposits every other zero, which I take to mean that the zeros in the million and the billion right the, the zeros following the one in his bank account i could be totally wrong about that though thinking of my partner put the candy painted on the regal digging in my pocket ain't a profit big enough to feed you so the second one digging in my pocket ain't a profit right saying the people who are leeching off of him that ain't enough to he's not gonna always be able to support them and so he shuns them away right so here we can see that he's still he's very much still in that sort of normal state however the appearance of lucy could be could be his call to action so to speak because here he says he can see the evil he knows it's illegal but still he doesn't do anything as of yet However, as we'll see further, this begins to call to him that he needs to do something. Until then, though, every day in my logic, every day my logic, get another just to keep you. So this is basically saying to keep his friends or his family or I'm guessing it's probably really the chicks in his life, right? His girlfriend or wife or whatever. They're all just leeching off of him. That he needs another dollar just to keep them as friends. In the presence of your Chico, ah, I don't talk about it, be about it every day I see cool. In the presence of your Chico, now we have another chorus, right? Would you know we've been herping down before when our pride was low, looking at the world like where do we go? And we hate Popo, wanna kill us dead in the street for show. I'm at the preacher's door, my knees get weak, I might gum my blow, but we gon' be alright. Now, this chorus, like, we gon' be alright, this has been repeated already many times in the first section. And this is where our sort of unconventional interpretation happens because right now he is clearly he's not all right right now he's he's realized that he needs to do so much he needs to change so much because right now he's strayed from god he's gone into the grasp of lucy and he needs to take his life back but what if we gonna be all right is Lucy's whispering into his ear that he doesn't need to change anything. He's perfectly fine at his ears. He can live at the mall. He can have 40 acres and a mule, a piano, a guitar. He can have all of that. He doesn't need to worry about heaven. He doesn't need to worry about his 
his dead friends all just wash it away in material goods and don't think about the police brutality, don't think about the injustices, don't think about any of that. Right. And we can see, I'm at the preacher's door, my knees get weak, and my gun might blow. This could be a reference to suicide, right? He's saying that he's waiting for God to save him, but his gun might... He, it's nothing is happening. His knees are getting weak from being there so long, and his gun might blow, you know. That's, of course, only one of many interpretations. There's also a different interpretation that says this is a semi-positive thing, right? But in our interpretation, it's Lucy's... Like, Kendrick Lamar doesn't just use the word, the N-word, very just, like, nilly-willy. There's purpose in it. And right now, the most oppressed are the African-American population. And this could be Lucy targeting them specifically, saying, You're gonna be alright, it's all fine, don't worry about your brethren, don't worry about anything that's happening, as long as you're alright, everything's gonna be alright. Right. But, as it may be, that's untrue. And here we have, I keep my head up high, I cross my heart, and I hope to die. Love in me is complicated, too afraid of a lot of changes. I'm alright, and you're a favorite. Dark nights in my prayers, right? So, I keep my head up high, and Kendrick is resisting Lucy's influence. He's saying, I keep my head up high, I cross my heart, and I hope to die. But then he's also saying, Love in you is, love in me is complicated. Which, especially so, because he has fallen under Lucy's grasp, and now he's out of it, and both ways, loving him is complicated. The first way is saying that because he isn't genuine, he's too caught up in complacency, and the second, because everyone else is too caught up in complacency, and now he's begging them to move. He's begging them to do something. And they're too afraid of a lot of changes, right? Because they're too afraid of, right, of going to protests, of doing the right thing, of resisting Lucy's temptation because they don't know how that feels. Lucy offers too much temporary relief. He says, I'm alright and you're a favorite. I feel like this could be his reference to I'm as in African Americans as a whole and then you're a favorite as in the white population of America oh yeah there might not be slavery they might have the civil rights movement but they're just alright and the, the white population is the favorite right? We, there's systemic racism going on which will 
it's lowering the African-American population's ability to succeed, as I said, on a systemic level. The system is not working for them, it's working against them. And he's, I feel like, despite all this, the fact that he says, I keep my head up high, I cross my heart, and I hope to die, is saying, I don't care, is, I'd rather die than go back to being with Lucy. He's fighting so hard against Lucy, right? He's fighting against temptation, he's fighting, we can see all his life he had to fight the very the very first line all of my life I had to fight and now he's fighting he's regained his fighting spirit after his darkest hour with Lucy now this is sort of I'd consider it the epilogue to Lamar's journey right I remember you was conflicted misusing your influence sometimes I did the same you, as in, I feel like he's calling out his fellow African-Americans and also his fellow just complacent white folk who they have the power to change things, but they haven't done anything. They misused their influence. He's saying sometimes he did the same too, where he didn't use his wide array of fans and his voice that projects so far for the better. He was abusing his power. He was full of resentment. Perhaps resentment, calling back to verse 2, of all the people, they just want his fame. They don't truly care about him. But maybe they did care about him. Maybe Lucy and he was too caught up in greed and selfishness to see it. Resentment that turned into a deep depression. This, I feel like, is most definitely referring to a previous song, You, which is very much about his struggles with depression and suicide. He finds himself screaming in the hotel room. He doesn't want to self-destruct. This is him realizing that Lucy has had such a grasp on him. He doesn't want to self-destruct because it's so overwhelming. There's so much that he has to... The evils of Lucy were all around him. So he goes running for answers. And answers does he find. He sees that... The way to spread goodness and the will of God... Perhaps God won't save him. Because he is what God has sent to save people. And this ties into really our big thing about All Right, that this chorus, it starts off as an assurance and it moves to a question and then barely it's Lucy, perhaps, because Lamar, he's very religious, but at the same time, he understands these evils in the world that people need to go up and save, because perhaps people are the will of God, and they 
by themselves will be able to free their brethren and start a revolution or a movement that will counteract all these centuries-old system systemic not systematic systemic injustices and these evils of lucy that are consuming our entire population he's very he's very clear in that regard that he's running for answers right and that is where we get our that is where we get our point that no everything will not be all right unless you do something about it that you making it all right is what will make things be all right that everything's not all right right now but that by action by perseverance and by rallying our entire community we can make things all right for our children and our grandchildren and so on now of course you could be saying but kevin this is totally not what i think of the track and this is totally incorrect because all the other podcasts say so well to that i have to say that Art really is a form of subjective media, right? There's no particular answer, even if Kendrick Lamar himself intended it to go one way. Once the track is released and out to the fans, there is no right answer other than the one that you choose in your heart. And I myself actually believe that this entire theory, there are a few holes in it, right? The first one being that it really only takes into account all right as an individual track. It does not account for all right as a whole in the To Pimp a Butterfly track, into the To Pimp a Butterfly album, I should say. Right? And in you, we can see that all right is supposed to be a turning point for him because he's gone through his darkest hour and now he's emerging a better man so to speak but i don't necessarily feel that that discredits all right in our theory because there are always going to be certain certain right i'd say challenges we have to face or revelations to be had that we don't like to hear and the second part we can really see that in both the context of the track and in the context of the album that the same thing is happening where he has a revelation and now he's going to keep on fighting he's going to make the world a better place however in the first part of the al in the first part of the track i should say we get a slight difference in opinion Whereas in the album that is supposed to be a more happy place, a more light and I would not say triumphant because Kendrick Lamar always has some darker themes, but semi-triumphant theme.
and then of course we can see that it slowly descends. I'd rather think that it goes from down to up, whereas things still are not perfect by the end, they are getting better. Now, I'd also like to say that there are many other interpretations that are very valid, right? Not only in the context of the track, but also in the context of the album, we can see that the main meaning and the meaning that has been taken up by the Black Lives Matter movement is to take the course at face value that, yes, we are going to be all right, and we are going to, like, the world is going to be fine, God will save us and help us in our quest. However, I feel like this almost, in a sense, is moving in the same direction as our interpretation, just polar opposite, that they're saying God is going to protect us, we are going to be alright, and we are still going to protest, we are still going to change the world because we must use that protection from God as a tool in order to do such a thing. We must use our status as being alright in order to make the world more alright, I should say. Whereas, in our interpretation, we're saying that you're not going to be alright, thus you must make the world alright by yourself. And that really is just two sides of the same coin, and while the theories are very vastly different, I do feel like both have merit, and I very much appreciate this more light-hearted message, right? So, with all that being said, why don't we move on to our closing thoughts? Throughout the course of All Right, we see Kendrick Lamar's fundamental growth and change as a person. From someone who has always been in Lucy's grasp, who has been complacent and subject to material goods and pleasures, which he thinks will provide him true happiness, to someone who sees the situation he's in and wants to change, though it may be hard to someone who is fighting with all his might against the injustices of the world, against Lucy's influence, who goes running for answers because he's screaming in the hotel room, right? And his journey still isn't over. We still have many more songs detailing Kendrick's life and that it may or may not relate to All Right, specifically into Pimp a Butterfly, too. Because in that, in this album, All Right is only the beginning of the third act, so to speak. However, for this track specifically, that is where it stops. And where he calls upon you, the audience, to make a change. Because while Kendrick is powerful, he can only do so much by himself. He needs you, the listener, to heed his advice, to snap out from your complacency 
and to use your influence, however tiny it may be, to make a difference. Note that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be posting all these posts on Instagram. Perhaps it could be as simple as calling someone out, or going to a protest, or just even just vibing in the right direction may help change this entire world for the better. And really, I feel like that is the beauty of All Right, that in taking us through his own personal journey, through this metamorphosis, Kendrick Lamar is also showing you how to do the same, and why you should do the same. Why you should wake up and do the exact same things that he's doing to help everyone to be alright. Once again, I'd like to give a super special shout-out to our two sponsors this week. Remember, the big three are found on SoundCloud, and my new book is found on RoyalRoad.com. Please, if you'd like to support me at all, financially even, just go over there and give me a rating, because that really helps with the algorithm and giving me exposure. Thank you so much for checking me out, thank you so much for checking this podcast out and i hope you all have an amazing day that's it we have no more things to ramble about stay hydrated it's credits time credit to kevin huang and ellie harris for scripting kevin huang for direction kevin huang and ellie harris for interviews kevin huang and ellie harris for research kevin huang for editing and kevin huang and ellie harris for pain and suffering Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Nigga, we gon' be alright.